The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good morning, it's Wednesday the 8th of November here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, Saudi Arabia's investment minister tells us the normalisation of diplomatic ties with Israel is still possible. More than a quarter of FTSE 100 chief financial officers have left their jobs so far this year. Plus, we have a special report on how Nestle's factories in Ukraine are adapting to air raids and power cuts. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The French bank Credit Agricole posting third quarter results that beat analyst estimates. Third quarter net income came in at one and three quarter billion euros. Revenues rose by 19%. Net income rose by 33%. Both ahead of estimates. The increase is driven by income from lending in Italy and a 26% jump in fixed income trading during a quarter where other European banks saw steep declines. Now to our top stories. Saudi Arabia's Minister of Investment says that talks toward a normalisation of ties with Israel remain on the table, despite the kingdom's criticism of Israeli military action in Gaza. Speaking exclusively to Bloomberg at the New Economy Forum in Singapore, Khalid Al-Fali said that there is a need for closer ties across the Middle East. You know, when those discussions were taking place, and His Royal Highness the Crown Prince was clear that it is contingent on a pathway to peace, uh, peaceful resolution of the Palestinian questions that, were, that was on the table, it remains on the table. And obviously the setback over the last uh, month has brought that, has clarified why was Saudi Arabia so adamant that resolution of the Palestinian conflict has to be part of a broader uh, normalization in the Middle East. Saudi Arabia's Khalid al-Fali speaking. The comments come after efforts to build a relationship between Saudi Arabia and Israel were thrown into doubt by the ongoing war in Gaza. Israel has confirmed that its troops are fighting inside Gaza City as they close in on its centre. The news comes as the Biden administration says they're in discussions with Israel about respecting humanitarian law and keeping airstrikes in the Palestinian territory proportional. The Hamas-run health ministry says that more than 10,300 people have now been killed in Gaza since the war began, including at least 4,000 children. In an interview, Israel's Minister of Strategic Affairs, Ron Dermer, was asked to respond to the scale of the Palestinian casualties. Every civilian who was killed in Gaza is a tragedy. And they are the unintended consequence of legitimate warfare. It happens in every war, particularly in a war where we're dealing with an enemy that uses their own civilians as human shields. Mondermer's comments come a month after the Hamas attack on Israel that killed 1,400 people. Now, China's Vice President Hang Zheng has talked up improving ties with the United States at the Bloomberg New Economy Forum in Singapore. It comes as the US President is expected to meet the Chinese leader Xi Jinping for talks next week in San Francisco. Han praised recent meetings between the two countries. More recently, as agreed by the two sides, China and the United States have had more important high-level interactions. These interactions have sent out positive signals. 
and raised the expectations of the international community on the improvement of China-U.S. relations. China's vice president speaking through a translator. He warned against protectionism in the world, emphasising that China remains committed to opening up its economy. And while Han described China's economy as recovering, he said the global recovery lacks momentum. BlackRock says a mountain of cash waiting on the sidelines is a major issue facing global investors. Speaking at the Global Financial Leaders Investment Summit in Hong Kong, the firm's head of its global client business, Mark Weedman, said, quote, there's about $4 trillion of cash that is sloshing around waiting for action, adding that he has no idea when it will be reinvested. The comments come as the money market funds saw their assets hit a fresh record earlier this year, with interest rates north of 5% luring investors away from riskier bets. 3,100 finance chiefs are leaving their jobs at the highest rate in five years. Bloomberg's Tiwa Adebayo reports now. A tough economy and regulatory requirements means many chief financial officers are reassessing their positions. More than a quarter have already left this year, double the same period in 2022. According to research by Russell Reynolds, depressed bonuses and the allure of private equity are amongst the main reasons for leaving. The recruiter said that long-term incentives for CFOs were hit during the pandemic and their failure to recover has played a role in encouraging retirement. Earlier this year, London Stock Exchange chief Julia Hoggett called for constructive discussion on UK exec pay, warning it's often well below global benchmarks. In London, Tiwa Adebayo, Bloomberg Radio. The International Monetary Fund says high interest rates are unlikely to lead Europe's economy to crash. In a new report, the IMF forecasts the region will achieve a soft landing, with growth slowing to 1.3% this year before picking up slightly in 2024. However, the International Financial Institution does say that getting inflation back to target in the euro area could take many years, adding that the cost of easing monetary policy too early would be, quote, substantial. Now Britain faces a decade in the doldrums, according to the National Institute of Social and Economic Research. The think tank says that unless the government steps up public investment, the UK will continue to see poor growth and worsening regional inequalities. NISA warned against cutting taxes before the next election. It comes after King Charles's speech at the ceremonial state opening of Parliament on Tuesday, uh, which set out an election-focused legislative agenda. Sunak's government Government announced tougher sentences for criminals, limited housing reforms and more drilling for North Sea oil and gas, which the Prime Minister explained here. We'll be bringing forward legislation that supports our North Sea oil and gas industry, uh, supporting the 200,000 jobs in that sector, but also reducing our reliance on foreign imported energy. That's the right thing to do. Sunak's party faces a 20-point poll deficit against the main uh, opposition Labour Party, who described the Tory offer as, quote, gimmicks, division and more of the same. Now, Christmas is coming, Stephen, but that, for some, for many maybe in the UK, means more debt. Cash-strapped Britons are expected to turn to buy-now-pay-later deals. I've been reading up on uh, the latest uh, forecast for BNPL, which the regulators have been quite worried about. Adobe Digital Insights says that apparently these BNPL loans could increase by almost 9% to a record £3.7 billion. I thought that was a very striking figure. Yeah, well, this is, of course, we're still waiting for the regulators 
regulatory promise uh, of how the sector is going to be managed uh, to come through. Of course, the regulation appears to have stalled. No update since February on the uh, Treasury paper that's meant to give the Financial Conduct Authority powers to oversee the companies that offer these kind of loans. The FCA has stepped in in some specific case to try Mm -hmm. and protect consumers, but it's an area because the interest rates can be very high. uh, It can put people in a situation where it makes it very difficult for them to repay these loans and the idea that you know there, there's a, a call for more oversight of how these jo- how these loans are handed out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's one of the stories that, that we've uh, been looking at uh, here, certainly focused on the UK. But let's return now to, well, obviously the top story that we've been covering for the last month uh, and the latest today on the Middle East. Israel says that its troops are continuing to fight inside Gaza City now. This is Saudi Arabia's investment minister. You heard it just a moment ago, Khalid al-Fali, saying that talks on normalising ties between Saudi Arabia and Israel are actually still on the table, but they hinge on the Palestinian question. Joining us now is Bloomberg's Turkey Bureau Chief, Honor Ant. Good morning, Honor. Um, Al-Fali's statement about ties with Israel does seem quite significant. He was asked about whether oil would be used as a way of achieving a ceasefire in the, the fighting between Israel and Hamas. How important were Al, was Al-Fali's statement? I think both of his comments were quite important. Um, his This was the first time a top Saudi official on the record in public uh, talk about um, the possibility of continuing uh, normalization talks with Israel, which have all uh, obviously been uh, disrupted by what happened a month ago in the in the ensuing war. But it's clear that um, Saudi Arabia still takes this possibility seriously. But it's also important to note that their position, uh, pre-war position, has not changed. And if anything, what happened over the past month seems to have reinforced their perception that without a sustainable solution, whatever that may be, and however difficult it might look, uh, especially right now, without such a solution, uh, there's no point in trying to uh, pursue a normalization with Israel because sooner or later, um, developments in the region, uh, such as the one that we've uh, seen over the past month, uh, is going to poison the environment, is going to uh, make that kind of normalization unfeasible. That's been that's been the Saudi stance since early on, but this is the first time a top Saudi official, as you said, uh, has come up publicly and said, yes, possibly there's still on the, t- uh, the possibility of the normalization still on the table, but here are the conditions. Now, the second part of your question, that's also uh, significant because, again, no one really over the last month thought this was a repeat of 1973. For those who are unfamiliar with the history of um, oil boycotts, that's that's the last time, this, as far as I can remember, uh, that there was a sort of uh, wide-ranging uh, boycott by oil producers, uh, where where producers used uh, their production to uh, effect certain political changes. Uh, it's obvious from Khalid Al-Fadis' response yesterday in Singapore that that is not an option, that is not a possibility that anyone uh, seriously entertaining at the moment. Uh, but it is important that it came from someone like Khalid Al-Fadis. Not only is he an investment uh, minister, but, but again, uh, he's actually the former head of uh, Saudi Aramco, really knowledgeable and familiar with Saudi Ar- Arabian oil policy and how it can or should be used in foreign affairs, if at all. So it's very important that this came from him. 
At the same time, on the ground in Gaza, Honor, we know Israel saying that its troops have entered the, the centre of, of Gaza City. Um, of course, the humanitarian situation there is still very, very difficult. Uh, true. The humanitarian situation in Gaza is difficult and it's worsening every day because, well, simply because uh, still there is no mechanism in place that allows uh, more significant amounts of humanitarian aid to flow into Gaza. The UN's own estimate uh, as early as, well, as recently as last week was that a fraction of what Gaza needs is now going through every day from Egypt into Gaza Strip through the Rafah crossing. Has there been an increase in recent days? Yes, it certainly has been. We can see that from the number uh, of trucks going in every day. But is it enough to meet the needs of more than 2 million people who are still in Gaza City, who don't have any access to meaningful amounts of water uh, or power uh, or food? Uh, it's certainly not, and it's a consensus. Uh, it's a consensus opinion held by uh, many NGOs, including the UN's own humanitarian arm, operating in the Gaza city, as far as we know. Okay. Honor, thank you so much for being with us this morning. That is Bloomberg's Turkey Bureau Chief Honor Ant giving us the latest details when it comes to the Middle East. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Of course, as the war in Israel has, the war between Israel and Hamas has taken the focus off Ukraine, but fighting rages on there too. Russian drones and missiles have targeted Ukrainian infrastructure in recent days. But multinationals like Nestle are continue to produce everyday staples such as chocolate wafers and mayonnaise there. Our consumer goods reporter Dasha Afanasieva has been to Western Ukraine to see firsthand how its sites there have found a new rhythm. And she joins us now. Dasha, good morning to you. How has Nestle adapted in Ukraine to keep operating? Good morning. Uh, so they've built, obviously they've built bomb shelters and they've got a whole system for what happens when workers go down to a bomb shelter, which is sometimes for two or three hours, because depending on where you are on the production line, uh, your products are potentially going to have to get thrown out. Others are going to have to get um, re, 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 recycled into the produce Um others are okay to use uh, and really the priority has been the safety of staff and they've got one factory that's within artillery range essentially of the Russian border so they've built uh, these these shelters that are overground that you can mm. get to within 10 seconds it's, it, it's quicker than uh, air raids 
Look, that, that reality is staggering, isn't it? I mean, in terms of the challenges, such enormous challenges, what did you think was, was the most difficult thing about trying to do business in, in that sort of environment? I think it sounded like and what people said re- um, repeatedly was that it's the whole challenge of dealing with when colleagues lose someone, when someone mm. has to go to war, uh, when someone's injured, you know, going down into the bomb shelter and worrying, where is your family? You know you're safe. Uh, and I think Nestle's had to do that sort of step up, that psychosocial support, uh, that in varying degrees all, all big corporates have to a whole different level. Mm. I interviewed a woman who'd lost her husband and she was at the same time a manager, so she went back to work quite quickly and actually found solace in that. Nestle at the same time has this business that's expanding in Ukraine, but also has a business in Russia. How does it has it balance those two? It's a bit awkward, I think, because in Russia the business is larger. It's got six factories in in Russia, seven thousand workers, and it's been under pressure to leave because the arguments sort of why are you on the one hand supporting Ukraine, it's all vict- victory for Ukraine, but on the other hand, Russians who potentially supported this invasion get to eat you know, Maggie, stock cubes, etc. But it's also very, very difficult to leave. As we saw with Danone and Carlsberg, they were going to exit, but they had their assets seized. So uh, so Nestle and other multinationals continue paying taxes in the country. Uh, There's not necessarily a better option. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.